Sportstopia. Week five is almost in the books, but before we get to the Monday night game, as always, you know, we need to look back. So here at Sportstopia, and by the way, sportstopia.io for all of your fantasy needs. You know, we've been doing this little recap uh, show for a, a couple weeks now, five to be exact, as we're in the NFL week five. And now we're going to affectionately call our little segment, The Fantasy Soup. Ah, there's the graphic. There's the round of applause. Thank you to our wonderful producer, Keith, for queuing that up. So let's get right to it. Those New York Jets are back in business, and the leash is off their playmaker. And if you listen to some of us here, we saw it coming. Jets and Broncos to finish off the main yeah, slate. Baby. Jets and Broncos. Are we, are we, are we throwing Zach Wilson out there? No, I ain't touching him. <laughs> you couldn't buy me a 60-foot pole to try to touch him with. I wouldn't touch I him. You. Um, I, the only thing I really want here is Brees Hall, baby. Brees Hall. Brees, this is the Brees show. This is the Brees show. Uh, Brees with David Montgomery. Zach Wilson catching a stray there from Cody. I guess it's harder to perform when Donna Kelsey isn't watching your games. But hopefully you had Brees Hall carrying your team to greatness. 177 on the ground and a touchdown, not bad. And it will probably only get better because the guy throwing, eh, he could be better. All right, up next, no king's reign lasts forever. Are we seeing that with Derrick Henry? Our monotone bets likes his backup. Hey, what about Taji Spears? That's a good one. I like Spears. I like yeah, Spears. I think it's interesting, right? Yeah. Because he's a small guy, right? So a lot of people look at him and go, oh, he's just a pass catcher, blah, blah, blah. He's not. He's a between-the-tackles runner. If you look what he did in college, this is a guy that ran for 1,000 yards multiple years in a row, right? In between the tackles, he can break tackles. And Derrick Henry, right, he's just one injury away. So for me, I love Spears. I would definitely be looking to pick him up if you can. Now listen, he only had 70 yards, but he chipped in a touchdown on a day when Henry did not a whole hell of a lot. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, as we all know. And Henry's crown might be slipping. Look for Spears in your season-long fantasy waiver wires. Next up, we're used to a Steelers-Ravens slugfest getting down and dirty in the mud. Our man, Cody Carpentier, took a shot on someone he thought could be a difference maker. Other side, so yeah, so that does mean I love Lamar. Um, and then on top of that is on the Pittsburgh side, I don't really love much, but we do get... Uh, Darnell Washington at the Stone, twenty five hundred bucks on on DraftKings. Okay, not beautiful, it's not sexy, but you know what? I'm going to do it because he's six foot eight, two hundred seventy five pounds. He's been in there run blocking a ton this year. Not really doing anything in the receiving game, but 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 when I was at Steelers camp this fall, uh, it was a guy that they had a package for down in the red zone where he was right over the center, and you see him go up, and his hands are like basically you know three feet higher than the goalpost when he jumps up to catch the football. Wow. I, I wouldn't be opposed to him catching a touchdown this week and, and paying off in DFS. But, yeah, I think you're going to ride mostly on the on the Baltimore side of this game. It's not beautiful. It's not sexy. But you know what? I'm going to do it. I'll be honest. I never thought I'd hear that phrase again after college. But here we are. 
Darnell Washington, two targets, zero yards, one sad Cody. Hope you went with George Pickens instead. And look, one more from our man, Monotone Bets. For every good take, there is a bad. And he had some thoughts on receivers this past weekend. For me, I love Hurts in this one. I love Devonta Smith. The Rams are a very high zone team. And for me, it's kind of simple. A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith are both really good. A.J. Brown's a bit more of the man buster, and um, you know, Devonta Smith's more of the zone buster. So when I see a team that plays a lot of zone, I'm going to be playing a lot of Devonta Smith. On the other side, Cooper Cup is the big question. For me, I don't think he plays. I one grab, six yards for Smith. Meanwhile, someone let Monotone know Cooper Cup played, and he played well. Monotone bets, not a doctor. That's why he's a gambler. And look, not all takes are recorded. Some are written. You'd know that if you were checking out sportstopia.io. Our man, Stevie A. Smith, has a weekly fades column. He faded that jolly old London bloke, Trevor Lawrence. Yesterday, the Jags got the win. Trevor looked okay. He didn't exactly carry many teams. And he faded guys like Rashad White and Joe Mixon last week. This man's fades are so tight, you're basically at a barbershop every time you're reading his articles. Check him out at sportstopia.io. And if daily fantasy lineups are your thing, and you're trying to set a primetime lineup where you can make some of, a, some of the good change there, did you see our man Tom Vera nailing a captain's pick last night? Mr. George Kittle only had three tutters on his way to a career night. Hope you picked him as your captain, aye, aye. All right, with that. Let's bring in the smarter guys, our go-to ranker and resident Darnell Washington fan, Cody Carpentier, at Carpentier NFL, and Mr. High Low himself, Mark Garcia, at High Low FF on the socials. Boys, welcome back. And let's start with Sunday Night Football. I just talked about George Kittle. The Niners kept it rolling. Cody, only three catches. They all went for touchdowns. It's like, all right, all right, all right, that Matthew McConaughey. George Kittle owners can take a sigh of relief now, I think. Cody, what did you think of his performance? I mean, Kittle did what Kittle's supposed to do. This is um, this is what you come to know out of George Kittle. You know, we see the injuries happen year after year, but when he's healthy and when he's on his game, it there's there's very few that can kind of play with him, right? You got the Kelsey's and the Andrews of the world right now, but that's about it. Um, Kittle did his thing. <clears throat> the San Francisco offense is is something to be something to be, I don't even know what the word is because it's, this team is so far ahead of everybody else in the NFL right now. I don't really have much to say about it, but Kittle, McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, you don't know who to cover. And then you had your shout out last night to Kyle Juszczyk scored a touchdown. Like you don't know who to cover in this <laughs> offense any, any given week. It's every week. It's a different guy. Sometimes it's two. So I, I love San Francisco. I think Kittle um, being healthy and being this dynamic, just on three catches, three touchdowns. Like it, this is all, this offense is going to be tough, tough, tough to slow down this year. Mark, how about Brock Purdy? Uh, I mean, I, I think we know the story, Mr. Irrelevant. I know everybody calls me that now, but he used to be called that. Very relevant now for Brock Purdy. How high can this guy finish in terms of uh, fantasy QBs this season or even real-life QBs? Yeah, and he's a quarterback one at this point. I mean, you, this this offense is built to maximize the talent that they have on the field, and they need a quarterback that can process make a read, make a second read, get through his progressions and distribute the ball. And that's exactly what Brock Purdy is. So they don't need, they don't need this flashy quarterback. They don't need, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave names out of it. Uh, <laughs> the, the quarterback playing against his former team last night. Uh, yeah. So they don't need this. Um, they don't need to take the gamble on the upside. They need consistency. And this is a guy who scored was one of the highest wonderlick scores in NFL history. So he's able to, and, and while that's not 
that's not going to translate directly to NFL production. But what that means is he's smart and he's able to um, diagnose and read a defense and distribute the football. So, yeah, that paired with Kyle Shanahan's offense, the forward leaning offense is uh, a marriage made in heaven. So, yeah, he's um, you look at this now they are what nine out of the previous 11 Brock Purdy starts. This offense has put up 30 points um, so that he's what they need. Um, and they're able to leverage a, a defense that basically is going to continue to finish top five in most defensive metrics for the rest of the season. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's here to stay, I think. And I think what I, 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 I'm guessing one of those starts is, is when his arm fell off in the playoffs, I guess. You know, like you, you can't even really count that one, right? Because he he wasn't his fault, I guess, when he couldn't, uh, you know, his arm was basically a wet noodle. I, I do want to go back before we go to the other side of the ball. I Cody, you, you talked about it could be one guy, it could be two guys every week. Um, as great of a problem as that is for Kyle Shanahan, the head coach in San Francisco, if you're a fantasy owner, like, I think we we'd all agree that Brandon Ayuk is an alpha, like right, he mm -hmm. he is an alpha. But I mean, there's just going to be times when he might be the best receiver on the field, but he's just not going to get opportunities. That's a little bit of a headache, though, no? Right? If you if you have stock in some of these guys, of course, it's always going to be a headache when you have this amount of talent in one on one team, and you you're talking about McCaffrey who scores a touchdown every single week, and McCaffrey's getting 20 plus touches every single week, and then you you have your Kittle game. And Debo, every game is different for Debo, but Ayuk, Ayuk is like the one dude where he's going to be constantly like in his spot at wide receiver. Yeah, there's going to be games where you get six or nine points out of him, but there's also going to be games where you get 27 or 33 out of him. And But isn't that the same with like everybody, right? DJ Moore struggled to this point, had a big game this week. Jamar Chase has had his games where he struggles. The only one that really doesn't have games like that Feels like it's Justin Jefferson, but even what did Justin Jefferson do yesterday? He got hurt late in that game, and he himself ended up with five points. So it happens to everybody, but it, the thing is, is you want to be attached to this offense, point blank, period. And the value you got on Ayuk this year um, to be the wide receiver one or be a wide receiver one, I think, is worth it uh, by itself. I, I was hoping uh, at the end of this drubbing that we actually would see Trey Lance. Uh, I, I was hoping that Mike McCarthy had the guts to put in Trey Lance after the Cowboys been, traded him. I mean, because let's let's face it though, like the Cowboys, like Mark, like yikes, man. I mean, I mean, Dak Prescott, three picks. I what do you you I, if you're a Cowboys fan, like you're not like you're not like saying they suck, but you're not looking at the offense and being like, wow, man, this offense is really humming. Like, holy crap, did they look not great last night? Yeah, and this is a case of the the Niners just being able to disrupt um, Mike McCarthy's offensive game plan. Um, and Mike McCarthy's offensive game plan is not similar to Kyle Shanahan's. I'm not going to compare those two, but there are similar concepts in Mike McCarthy's offense. Um, it's a little bit more spread. They utilize pre-snap motion a lot. And there are things that they do that are similar to those other kind of, uh, we'll say, Gary Kubiak tree coaches currently in the league. So you got Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. Uh, Mike Shout McDaniel. out Kubiak. Yeah. Um, that said, he is not the best game manager. As And this goes back to his time in, uh, in Green Bay. Um, he's an above average game planner. So he comes in with a game plan. But when he gets punched in the mouth, um, things fall apart typically rather quickly in his offensive game plan. Um, and we saw that after halftime uh, last night 
where his offense, he was not able to counteract these weird and uh, unique blitz packages that were coming at him. Um, and the the man coverage, or sorry, the zone coverage uh, that they were seeing on the other side, um, which the 49ers defense is very interesting because they're not just basically, they're not just running a two high shell. They're not just running cover two, cover three. They give the opposing quarterback unique looks as looks pre-snap, which really, really makes the, the quarterback have to process and make read uh, reads very quickly. And we saw that on three subsequent possessions, the, the Dak Prescott picks um, were a product of the athleticism that the 49ers have on defense and their ability to show the quarterbacks unique looks pre-snap. Um, and that <laughs> that's a difficult task to overcome for a guy like um, Jesus. Now I forgot his name. I was just Jack? talking about it. No, the head coach McCarthy. Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Mike McCarthy uh, in his more static and rigid uh, offensive design. Well, I, you know, the reports out of Green Bay after he left was he was spending too much time in the massage chair. Uh, he might need to get a massage after the stress that last night caused him. Cody, yeah. I, I want to ask you about a, a couple other fantasy performers for the Cowboys. I mean, guys that people definitely had high hopes for, C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard. Uh, this is like three, the kids say mid, mid games, <laughs> I guess. I mean, you could say bad, I guess, for Tony Pollard. Is it? I mean, he looked better as Zeke's backup. Uh, what's what's going on with Pollard here? This is um, what they call twos, right? So I was listening to, I think it was Lombardi, Michael Lombardi, uh, a couple weeks ago, and he was explaining how sometimes players are elevated into rules that they, they maybe aren't built for. And they're built to be twos in the NFL. Like Alexander Madison was built to be a two because he's very efficient being a two. Chuba Hubbard's very efficient being a two. Tony Pollard's very efficient being a two. And we all kind of expected that Pollard would be fantastic in this lead role, which I think he is. I think he can still be. I don't think he's a two like Madison and Chubar. My point more so was that I think he needs somebody next to him. He misses having that 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 dynamic duo. Rico Dowdle just doesn't do it. Rico Dowdle is not Zeke Elliott, you know, post, uh, you know, post. Uh, post-peak, whatever you want to call it, right? They're missing talent on this offense. That's point blank the problem here. Dallas is not great. I said three weeks ago after they lost to Arizona, like this team's never been great. It was just a really good team. They lack depth at the talent presence spots, a running back, receiver, tight end, where you need to be able to take over a game. They have Lamb. But the problem is Lamb looks like he's upset too because guess what? He doesn't have that dependable guy next to him that can you know take coverage off the top of him or allow him to to be the target monster in that game. Gallup, Cooks, and Tolbert just ain't cutting it. Like he misses having an Amari Cooper. He misses having a healthy Michael Gallup. He misses having um, a Dalton Schultz that can take over a game. And you know Jake Ferguson's all right, but he's just not at that level. And and Gallup doesn't seem like he's back to that same place. And Cooks has been disappointing. Like it's just. Really, what it feels like is this offense just talent deprived. And when you match up against a team like San Francisco, who is, you know, has an abundance of talent, it's it's going to be a much tougher matchup. And the letdown that is Tony Pollard is because like that's the focal point, right? If they know they can focus on taking Pollard away, that means they have to make Prescott beat him. And Prescott can't be beat very many people. He's more of a maintainer than he is an elevator. You look at Brock Purdy in an offense like Kyle, with Kyle Shanahan, where Brock Purdy's very smart. Right. We know he has precise, accurate. He's precise. He's accurate. He's smart. He can do the right things right. Whereas Dak does the wrong things right and does the right things wrong. 
and he's a maintainer. He's not able to really elevate a football team. Uh, if, if he's gifted the ability to kind of push the score, push the ball downfield in the shootout or in garbage time, he can do that, sure. But he, he, he can't be left with the game in his hand and be down 21 and be like, hey, man, you got to come back. Like, it's just – there's just really nothing there for him right now. This this offense doesn't have much dynamism to it outside of Pollard and Lamb. And next to that, there's nothing there. So it's all being left on Pollard and Lamb's shoulders. And Prescott just can't lead to that level. Yeah, I'll, I'll end with, uh, you know, the Sunday night football game by posing a question to both of you, and I'll, I'll, I'll start with Mark. So if you have Tony Pollard stock, if you have CD Lamb stock, and I'm just like, look, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Uh, you get uh, a Chargers defense that's that's a little soft right now with some of the injuries. You get the Giants again. Carolina's on there. Seattle's on there. I mean, they, have, they still have to play Philly twice. So, I've, I mean, you're not going to go game by game here, but. If you have stock in these guys, Pollard, we'll just say Pollard, for instance. Are you trying to move him? Or, or, are, you, are you off the Pollard bandwagon? Or are you still rolling with him in your fantasy leagues, Mark? You got to still roll with him, and you got to hope that Mike McCarthy fixes the offense. Because you look at Tony Pollard, uh, Tony Pollard has faced an average of 6.9 defenders in the box on each of his carries this season. That is like Derrick Henry levels of guys in the box uh, at this point. So, that tells me that this offense is very face up. So you don't, you need that to come from the top. You need that to come from who's calling plays. Uh, and that's head coach Mike McCarthy. But the role is there and there's going to be some blow up spots. The kind of secondary effect of that is we also need a guy like uh, Cody was talking to earlier. You need a guy like Brandon Cooks to step up and be that Amari Cooper on this offense. You need to draw some attention away from CD Lamb because good defenses are going to be able to scheme uh, him out of the game. And we saw that last night. So um, yes, I'm concerned about this offense because those problems are induced from the top. Those problems are induced from the offensive play caller uh, who is the head coach and Mike McCarthy. Uh, but those are things that can change. And we know that the roles are secure and we know that um, this offense is not likely to struggle the entire season. So uh, yeah, I'm holding maybe even, sending some trade offers out and seeing uh seeing what bites i can get oh taking a little gamble there and cody for cd lamb i think some guys you know you might have had people drafting him thinking he'd be a hundred catch guy i don't know if he's on pace for that right now um i mean you just look at the recent numbers four grabs last night four grabs last week four grabs the week before he went off against the jets but then four grabs the, the first week i mean this is a guy that some people thought was going to be their wide receiver one so if you have cd lamb are you trying to make a move for another wide receiver? Maybe you're not selling CD Lamb, uh, but what what do you think about moving on from him or, or holding him? I'm content holding Lamb. Like I know what Lamb is as a talent, and I think that this team is still going to be in all of these games down the stretch. And I think they're going to be a team pushing towards the playoffs, and they're going to have to throw the football against like the Eagles twice, Seattle, uh, the Rams, the Bills, Dolphins. That's that's your fantasy playoffs. The fantasy playoffs is the Bills, Dolphins, Eagles, Lions. Like that's that's a pretty good stretch of of strong teams where you're going to have to be pushing the ball down the field to Lamb. And I think you have the Chargers this week should be a good matchup. And then you have a bye week. And the bye week, as Mark alluded to, like that should allow these this team to kind of take a step back and think, okay, where are we wrong here? Like. If I'm if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I'm gonna go call Leonard Fournette, see if I can bring in that piece that can play next to Tony Ooh. Pollard in that Rico Dada role and give him a week to ramp up in the bye week. And then maybe that's the guy that takes on some of those seven man's fronts. And then that allows Tony Pollard to get out in space a little bit more. That's gonna allow a little bit of the pressure to come off of Lamb. And even if they don't go out and get him, I still think it's an offense where Lamb uh 
if I had to choose between one of these guys who I would bet on the rest of the season, it would probably be Lamb just because I, I, I believe in the talent and I believe in the output that can get there. But as a team overall, I'm just not there on it. Um, but I think they're going to be in games down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, playoff team, you know, playoff team. But, again, I don't know if I'm watching the offense and be like, wow, look at these yeah. guys. I'm really excited about this. All right, well, moving on on something – Look, we talk about this guy, I feel like, every week. Maybe that's my fault, but, like, I mean, finally, welcome back to the world, Jamar Chase, huh? Uh, how about Jamar Chase? Three touchdowns, 200 yards, just about, like, hey, Jamar, are you open? I'm always, and I would say the F word, but I don't know I don't know if we're allowed to. <laughs> I'm always open, dude. I'm always open. All right, Mark, you, you, look, at the, you look at the Jamar Chase performance from yesterday. Um you know, a couple weeks ago, he had a decent game too, but like the three touchdowns, I mean, this is a 50-point fantasy game out there. Um, I don't know if we're pumping the brakes or if we're all gas and no brakes on the Bengals now like they figured it out. Your, I, I, I guess your takeaways from watching that game against the Cardinals who – well, I have my thoughts on the Cardinals that I'll, I'll, I'll give in a second, but Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, the Bengals, are they back or is this a one-off? So this could be an hour-long discussion because it is so <laughs> nuanced. Um, we'll try and we'll try and trim it a little bit here. Uh, basically, yeah. Give us give us ten minutes. Cut, yeah. cut the hour down to ten. Minutes. <laughs> the the Bengals have struggled against or transitioning to exploiting too high defensive shells. The reason for that is they don't have a vertical threat because that guy would be Jamar Chase, but they're not going to say, hey, go run these empty routes to go manipulate a safety for us. And Zach Taylor has been very slow to institute pre-snap motion, which is another way that you can influence safeties against too high. The third kind of way is, is the quarterback. That's over to the quarterback's positioning, his hips, his eyes, uh, and where he's looking on a field. Because of... The fact that T Higgins was out because the fact that Jamar Chase is not going to be just running downfield to manipulate safeties. And because the Cardinals defensive scheme under Jonathan Gannon um, is this modified shallow too high shell. Uh, basically, his safeties, instead of playing 18 to 20 yards beyond the line of scrimmage, are playing 12 to 14 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And all of that came together to me. And if you've seen my tweet that is now going viral because that's what things do. Um, I threw 150 rosters into the Millie maker on DraftKings this week. And one of my major stances was to fade the Bengals and even Hell yeah. the Cardinals defense. So <laughs> I had 150 rosters in the, in the Millie maker. I cashed and they all won zero of them. <laughs> but the process that led me to that stance this week was the fact that Zach Taylor has been struggling so hard to take advantage of too high. But we saw the Bengals do some things that we hadn't seen since the first time Jamar Chase had his okay game, which was they moved him into the slot, they sent him in pre-snap motion, they were doing things to manipulate those safeties on the back end, and then we saw it open up when Jamar Chase caught that, what, 67-yard touchdown um, in the third quarter, where they now had these safeties in this too high shell on their back foot, and they were able to take advantage of that. The problem was it has been so hit or miss with Zach Taylor in Cincinnati about his game plans and how he is scheming to take advantage of what defenses are showing him that my, my big stance here in this week was to 
leverage the certainty of the field that that the Bengals could not fail in this spot. And I'm okay. I can sleep at night with that kind of stance on a slate like this. Uh, I guess in direct contrast to some of the comments I'm getting on my post that uh, of my screenshot of 150 rosters and zero casts. Uh, Never read the comments. Is, you can't read the that comments. Is, that is the process. That is who the Bengals are. And that was how it lined with up with the spot. So to like roundabout way, answer that question. The Bengals are probably going to continue to be this peaks and valley team moving forward. Um, the consistency is probably going to struggle. And that again comes from who is calling their offensive plays uh, and designing their offense in Zach Taylor. Well, listen, you're only good as good as your next lineup. 150 yeah, no's. Right. We just Let's need go. one yes. We just need one <laughs> yes. Cody, I, uh, I, well, first of all, shout out South Coast 650, Bang Bang Niner Gang in the chat here. We already talked about the Niners. We know they're good. We know they're good. All right. We know they're good. Revel, revel in their in their greatness. Uh, Cody, it, you mentioned DJ Moore before, Jamar Chase. It's like the week of the 50 point game. By the way, I still haven't seen where DJ Moore went out of bounds on that touchdown, uh, or that would have been touchdown. Could have been Oof. four touchdowns that game. Haven't seen it, but um, ridiculous. I I go back to week two where with the Giants, where it was like you know they through six quarters they were scoreless. They have this great comeback against the Cardinals, and the Cardinals, you know they they're fighting. They're not that bad, but since then the the, the Giants have been, I mean if if not the worst team in the league, you know toward the bottom. Um, so I, I'm just wondering, am I buying into the Bengals? Like personally, like, Oh, look at Jamar Chase. Look at Joe Burrow. looks like they're, they're on the same page again. Or is this just the, am I going to get the rug pulled out from under me again? Like I did with the giants. I don't think you're going to get the rug pulled under out from underneath you like the giants, because the Bengals don't have Daniel Jones at quarterback. I think that's a big part of it. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good point. That's a good and, point. The one thing we did see from Joe Burrow, and I loved everything that Mark had to say about this offense, and, and I, I agreed with the, the peaks and valleys angle as to what to expect throughout the next 10 weeks. But it sure seemed like Jamar Chase knew what the hell he was talking about just a few months, like a month ago, when he's like, hey, you know, Joe Burrow, take a break, rest that calf up, be back after week five, yeah. we'll see you then. And all of a sudden, week five comes, and you can pull up Joe Burrow's next-gen plot of all of his targets and everywhere he's putting the ball and it merely looks just like last year week seven like it was it looks like joe burrow's back right and i i think that i think you can start to believe in cincinnati but the problem is the schedule is going to be brutal and there's going to be opportunities for them to throw the football a lot which is going to in turn give jamar chase some good games and t higgins comes back t higgins will have a couple good games and burrow i think is based on what i looked like yesterday it looks like Joe Burrow's back. It looks like Joe Burrow's trusting it. You watched him scramble for like an 11 or 12 yard carry and the calf didn't look like it was bothering him. You saw him launch a football 65 yards down the field. Like it looked like everything was back to where it was with Joe Burrow. But as far as the team goes, I mean, Seattle, San Fran, Buffalo, the next three weeks. And then, you know, this Houston team, they, they seem to have a good quarterback as well. Like it's going to be a tough ride for Cincinnati and Cincinnati fans. I don't think it's, I don't think we can, polar flop right here and say yeah man this, this is a playoff team like i'm not ready to do that but i am ready to say joe burrow looks like he's healthy looks like he's back and i think you can start to trust him on a weekly basis and you can start to trust jamar chase and t higgins and guys like that on a, on a weekly basis and 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 you know that I, I bring up you know you're talking about joe burrow there i know a lot of people out there were you know they were faced with the reality that they might have to bench this guy you know like what is he what has he done for me lately nothing so 
especially if you were in a two QB league, you you might have benched him this past weekend, just saying like I can't trust him right now. But you look at you mentioned the schedule, Seattle, but then the buy they get the buy. So yeah. even if the calf has any you know lingering effects on Burrow, uh, you get the bye week to rest up. And you talk about that brutal schedule there, Buffalo, you know, Houston, two division games. But then at the end, you mentioned playoff, and this is the way I kind of start thinking about fantasy right now. You think about your playoff, uh, you know, the playoff schedule in your fantasy playoffs. Indy, Minnesota, you know, Pittsburgh again, divisional game, but like anybody can throw on Pittsburgh, it seems like uh, at this point, mm-hmm. unless you're the Ravens where you have nobody to th- throw to besides your rookie. Uh, so I, I don't know. It, it's matching up where I'm trusting Burrow. Obviously, you're never going to bench Chase. We'll see what happens with Higgins, you know, when he comes back. But I'm, I'm, I'm buying. I'm not selling. It, what a difference a week makes. Yeah. I, I promise I won't talk about Cincinnati every week now. Maybe they'll just start winning a few games so we don't. I don't have believe to. you. Oh <laughs> come on, come on! Can you tell? Can you tell I have Burrow in, in, in at least two leagues? At least two. Uh, the last question, but I, I will just one more player in that offense, Mark. I, I do want to ask you about this. What do you make of Joe Mixon? Um, I, I, I mean, we talk about schedule. He's another RB one guy. The offense hasn't been clicking. What, what's what's your prospects on Joe Mixon going forward? I mean, Joe Mixon. We Joe Mixon is the same guy that we've seen over the previous two seasons, right? He's his workload is locked in. He's going to have top twelve numbers and workload, uh, but his efficiency metrics have been poor. Look at yesterday. He had I think it was three or four times he was stuffed from the one yard line. Uh, which would have added a touchdown to his ledger. Uh, And that's just kind of what we've come to expect about Joe Mixon. Um, We know that workload or bankable touches is the most predictive metric for running back production. uh, And Joe Mixon is doing everything he can to kind of, (laughs) to make the argument against that, uh, which is, which is tough, but um, he's a guy that should be fine. He's going to be a weekly RB two, uh, and he's once he starts finding the end zone, he's going to start producing RB1 numbers. But a lot of that just comes back to his bankable workload. Yeah, workload's always important. I, I Before we move on to the next point, you know, speaking of being stuffed at the line, I saw a tweet. I forgot who the tweet was from, but they were talking about Najee Harris and DeAndre Swift. And the tweet was, you think Najee Harris uh, sucks because he gets stuffed at the line almost more than anybody. And you think DeAndre Swift is good because he barely gets stuffed at the line. And my first reaction to it was, yes, that's exactly that's exactly why I, I think both of those fellows are doing what they're doing. Najee can't get can't stop getting stuffed, and uh, DeAndre Swift is getting through the line. That's not always their fault, and for Joe Mixon, maybe not always his fault. But like you know, when you own stock in these guys and they're just getting tackled at the line or in the backfield, you just like. In your head as a casual, you're just like, press circle, do the spin move, anything. Get out from behind the line, please, for the love of God. All right, well, look, speaking of back, speaking of back, Cooper Cup is back. I mean, Cooper Cup is back. Another another uh, guy, I, him and Puka Nakua, I feel like I talk about every week. But, I mean, these are, these are big fantasy guys. Cooper Cup is back. Puka Nakua had a big boy touchdown. Cody, you're looking at the Rams yesterday. Now, look, they didn't win. Um, and you know, Stafford got ragdolled a couple times. Uh, but what do you make of the offense? I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, Cooper Cup dominated and Puka didn't do anything. His touchdown was like 
the go route or the uh, over the shoulder, it was a big boy touchdown. It wasn't a crosser over the middle. Mm-hmm. Did you did you have confidence there, Cody, that this offense is going to support both guys going forward? I thought I had confidence. I put Puka at wide receiver eight this week, and I had Cup up at nineteen, and I was like, "Wow, this feels this feels decent. This feels all right. I feel good about it." And then that first drive comes around, and I think it was like five receptions on six targets for Cup, and I was like, "Oh baby, this is about to be a day." And it kind of <laughs> kind of slowed down a little bit after that, and they both ended up with eleven and twelve targets. But I did notice that nine of Cup's twelve targets were of him running left, and six of eleven Nakua targets were of him moving in the right direction. And I and I was like, well, what this kind of looks weird. So I go back and I was looking at some Robert Woods routes in, in comparison to Cooper Cup in those games back in like 2019, 2018. And there was a few games and multiple games where it was kind of the, the same build where these guys are often crossing each other and creating the one that's open. And I think that that's an, another a, a sneaky way where McVeigh, maybe not sneaky, but a, a way that McVeigh is allowing one of these guys to get open and Stafford to find the one that's there. And as Cup, like when you go back and look at those 2018-2019 reps from Cup, obviously Cup is a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. They're more advanced, more deeper routes now. Uh, but I do think it's it's interesting how they're utilizing both guys. And if they can continue this, like if you watch that game on Sunday, like I said, that first drive was like, oh, this is about to be a shootout. This is about to be a really good game. If Stafford can stay healthy somehow, somehow if this team, if, if those two guys can stay healthy and Stafford can stay healthy, I think this is going to be an interesting team down the stretch that could potentially push for a playoff spot just based on how efficient this offense is looking to be uh, with Cup and Puka Nakua in the lineup together. So I, I think you can continue to trust both these guys at top 16 plays week in and week out. Yeah, Mark, over 100 yards for Cooper Cup. Is, I, I can't help but think, though, is this a different conversation about this offense supporting both if Puka didn't have that touchdown? I mean, seventy. I think he had 76 yards and a touchdown. Is this a different conversation today, or we're still pretty uh, high on them support being – both being able to be supported in that offense extremely high and we talked about this i think over the last two weeks as well with uh, cooper cups return looming and how that was going to influence how these players were being utilized look at their snap rates puka 100 cooper cup 95 percent tutu atwell 89 percent and as we speculate the other touchdown tutu atwell with the other touchdown i believe exactly so his box score is not going to jump off the page but those are a the three primary pieces in an offense that is going to run 11 personnel at elevated rates and just as we talked about the odd man out as we speculated was van jefferson he played only two offensive snaps so this is an offense that now looks very similar to what san francisco is running um and Tutu is that Debo Samuel type player, but they have two Brandon Ayuks. They have Puka Nakua and they have Cooper Cup. And so there are going to be some very fun and interesting yeah. things that are done with this offense for the rest of the season. I do want to say uh, one thing though before, before we move on, but I just want to ask if you realize what you just said. You just said Cooper Cup played 95% of the team's snaps. Whereas literally the two days looming, it was like, oh, he's not going to get a full workload. He's not going to run all the reps. He's not going to do 95% for Cooper Cup in this return game. I guess I guess the uh, the injury was just fine. You're, you're, at the top of the show, Monotone Betts said, I don't think he's going to play. Mon- Dr. Dr. Betts himself didn't, didn't think he Dr. was going to play. It, uh, and, and here he's out running 95%. Uh, I, they, I think they like to call that built different you know like cooper cup i no worries there puka no worries there um 
I, I was going to bring up Kyron Williams, but but honestly, against an Eagles front, like him getting 50 yards, I was pretty impressed by. Uh, I, I don't, not that Kyron's going to come in and, you know, be the, the lead rusher of the league this year, but I, I don't know. I didn't have high hopes for him going in. I wasn't disappointed in that. Um, I, I will move on to another team of, of talking about who's back, you know, and I mean, Jonathan Taylor, like this, this is where monotone should have been like, I don't know if he plays that much, right? Like this is Jonathan Taylor is back and he got paid and he's excited to be out there, but like, he didn't do much. He had to be eased in. And, and I want to go with the guy who did everything, Mark, Zach Moss, like Zach Moss is, is good. Like he's good. Or he's not good. <laughs> he's, he's not good. So I, I, I was, mean, uh, I was looking. <laughs> I was looking at another page, and I wasn't sure if you were going to continue. Uh, but that was a statement. That was an emphatic statement. Um, well, it was yeah, very emphatic. He's good? Question mark. Yeah. Yes, he's, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> we'll we'll say maybe. Um, he did some things in that game that were very good. We'll put it that way. Uh, when he bounced that that run outside and uh, had his long gain down the sideline, I think it was like a 34, 35-yard carry, uh, that was good. Um, he also did some things that were not so good. Uh, and the we can say what we will about the matchup. Um, we'll save that discussion for a different day. Um, but I think the the trap here was people assuming that Jonathan Taylor in his first NFL action since week 14 – of the 2022 season was just going to come in and regain his workhorse running back role. Um, it was very clear to me from coach speak that Zach Moss was going to continue to be integral to the offensive game plan, at least for this week and maybe over the subsequent two or three games as well. Um, but this is Jonathan Taylor's backfield. They paid him as such. Uh, it's just a matter of he's coming off a fairly severe ankle injury that ended his 2022 season and we don't know if that was aggravated at some point this offseason we don't know that if he injured it when he was training on his own um but it was very clearly still an issue if we kind of read the tea leaves um of what was going on behind the scenes between ownership and jonathan taylor this season um it felt very much like they didn't want to pay him with all these questions around his health uh once that kind of we don't know what happened again behind the scenes, but once those things kind of work themselves out, this is Jonathan Taylor's team and Zach boss is going to play um, a very sparse change of pace role. I would guess at uh, probably by the midpoint of the season. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes, but I do know that the check cleared. Uh, so that's, that's good for, for Jonathan Taylor, Cody, I, I go back to my, not that this is a Zach Moss appreciation show, but I mean, 23 attempts against Tennessee, 18 against the Rams. I, I obviously out of necessity, I guess. Uh 30 against Baltimore with a with a buck 22 there, buck 65 and two touchdowns against Tennessee. Um my personal feeling is that I'm still holding Zach Moss if I have him and I want to know if 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 I'm off base here because I'm trying to learn from you guys the smart guys. If you believe that preseason is used to get up to speed, then we're still talking at least two more games, maybe three of Jonathan Taylor still trying to get up to speed. So do you see like standalone value here? And then at worst, he's like the best handcuff you could have. Is that, do I have the read on that? Bingo. Bingo. That's exactly. I mean, 
That's exactly yeah. what it is because it's it's too obvious, right? That they they rolled. I mean, and I and I will say I missed this completely. Mark hit it on the nail, hit the nail on the head. I thought I was right. I thought I was like, oh, I called the Elvin Camara one. I called Cup perfectly. Taylor flop did not work. I had him as a top twelve play, and that was a you know you could roll me over the grill and butcher me because that was bad. And uh, Zach Mosto, like he, he said, is he good? Question mark. I don't know what he is, but this offensive line's good. I'll tell you that right now. And yesterday, like this is what's going to happen. They're going to have Moss and Taylor both in this backfield. That they told us that yesterday. Taylor might have got the contract, but Moss looked like he earned it. And Ooh. Even with like Taylor that. growing back into his role, right? We're expecting, you know, it was 80% this week for Moss, 16% for Taylor. I would assume next week it's probably not going to be 60% for Taylor. It's probably going to be closer to 30, maybe 25. And then it'll be grow a little bit more and grow a little bit more. And as this team, and, the, and Minshew is also a different dynamic piece that brings to this offense because I'm yeah. going to assume they're going to run the ball a little bit more with the running backs. And if I can pull up the, the Colts schedule right now, like the Colts are – it's a good football team. It's not a bad football team like a lot of people kind of expected them to be. Yeah. Jacksonville, Cleveland, New Orleans, Carolina, New England, the next five weeks going into a bye. All of those games are winnable. Uh, uh, 100% all of those. Yeah. That's an 8-2 and and football team. And yeah, with two running backs like this in this offensive line, if, 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 if they can keep Taylor on a track to, you know, by the time that bye week comes, he's nearing, you know, I don't know, a 70% if he's on the opposite side of Moss where he's 70% and Moss is 30% and Taylor starts to get chugging, like this is going to be a scary team to play against, especially if they go and get Richardson back, whatever it may be. I, I, I'm i not dropping Moss in any scenario. I was actually actively going and getting Trey Sermon for similar reasons because I trusted the offensive line and I wasn't sure what they were going to do with Taylor up until the contract, obviously. I thought that Taylor would potentially get moved, whatever. So I was preparing for worst-case scenario, and that would have been Moss runs the backfield, and Sermon's the guy behind him. And you always want that guy behind one of the best offensive lines in football, behind a running back that you've never seen do this before. So now like, we're seeing Moss do it. I I, I 100% am going to trust him. There's no way you can drop him in, in hardly any formats unless you have a, a shallow bench um, once you see Taylor is in that role, if that all makes yeah. sense. And you might even go after him. I mean, you might even go yeah. after him. Or at least, you know, if he's on the waivers, like, you know, just take a flyer. I mean, because there's a lot worse stashes you can have. It's like you mentioned the offensive line. It's like those Broncos teams from back in the day where it was like, you know, just zone blocking, put whoever back there and they get a thousand yards, you know, like that's that's the kind of rusher you want. And then you mentioned that schedule. They could win all those games. Then they get the bye. Then you got to think Taylor's fully healthy. And if you have Jonathan Taylor after that bye in week 12, I mean, you're feeling pretty good probably about your running backs at that point. Um, you know, we talked about Moss being the handcuff in case Taylor does get injured. Uh, but there were actually, there were real injuries yesterday. I mean, there were, there were like, I mean, there were some guys that went down and you're like, Oh, you you mentioned Anthony Richardson. So I guess we'll start there. Cody, he plays in a way that like, I mean, fantasy viable for sure, you know, and he, and he had what he had two touchdowns a couple weeks ago or last week. Like you want to see him on the field, but the way he plays, it's like the guy can't stay on the field, like you know, and now who knows how long the shoulder is going to keep him out for. You've already mentioned Minshew. Uh, are you going after Minshew in any league, maybe a super flex league, or do you think he has, you know, QB one value? I think, I think, well, not, not, not in maybe one not QB one, but like a one quarterback league value. I'm sorry. No, I, I don't think in a one quarterback league I'm going to be going after Minshew because I still think there's there's worlds where like we talked about Purdy earlier, who we think is a top 
12. I think he's a top 10 play rest of season. And he's actually in an offense with a, with that a scenario where the offense is good with talent all the way around him. Whereas this Colts offense is, is definitely run based run centric and downs is obviously taking a step up and Pittman's the elf out there, but it's just the, the concepts and the idea is a lot different in Indianapolis than it is in San Francisco. And you definitely wouldn't have thought of Purdy as that guy coming into the season. So I, I'm not there on Minshew just because I don't think that the upside's there, especially in the running game for Minshew, but I do think the team as overall is going to be good. Um, I do think you should go get him in, in super flex leagues, though, 100%. He's a, he's a guy you, you're going to have on the waivers this week, if you didn't already, because, of course, Richardson hasn't been in. My, my little brother had a pretty good tweet in the middle of the day yesterday. It was something along the lines of, like, uh, I'm starting to think, uh, I'm starting to think Anthony Richardson didn't drink whole milk as a kid because every single week <laughs> oh, he's man. just injured. It's like it's like the Deontay Johnson thing. Every middle of the game, banged up, and this is what we we're always afraid of, right? It's the the rushing the football like Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson type of a situation where these, it happens, and this is it's it's scary and it sucks to see it now, like the third injury this year already. So, yeah, he's yeah. had concussion. He's had a, what a couple of concussion scares, I think. Now the shoulder, the ankle I mean, the, and the shoulder, the, the ankle, ankle and shoulder, shoulder. concussion. And, yeah. And I think I saw just before we came on, like the, it could be multiple weeks here. Uh, Mark, yeah. I, I, I guess same question to you. We talked about the rushing ability of the Colts. They they have some guys they that can they can throw the ball to. Uh, are you are you looking at him in any leagues? Are you are you recommending him as a play? Um, probably not. Uh, it is likely that they're going to. I mean, if I were in the Colts' shoes, I would take my time. Um, Shane Steichen is a a top end coach in the league. Um, I would take my time with my franchise quarterback. Uh, and they have fully let us know that he is their franchise quarterback and their quarterback of the future. So um, I would expect them to give him all the time he needs for his AC joint. That's probably in the three to five week window. So we might see an IR stint, um, which would mandate that he's out for four weeks. Should. Um, yeah, I think they should do that, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit concerning, obviously, when you have a guy who has not finished three of his four NFL football games. Uh, and then he missed the game after his concussion. So um, yeah, it's at least a little bit concerning. Uh, the other side of that coin is the upside is very tantalizing and is yeah. very, yeah. very evidently there. Um, so it's going to be, I think, I don't know what they'll do for the future. I don't know if they, I don't think they want to restrict his mobility. And I mean, Shane Steichen is coming off of two years working with Jalen Hurts and he was able to design an effective offense with that type of archetype of quarterback. So I don't know what the answer is, but I'm fully buying into Anthony Richardson, who he is. Um, And a lot of that, a lot of that also has to do with the off the field stuff, because this is a very committed and dedicated young man. This is a guy who is in the building, first one in the building, last one out. This is a guy who is uh, humble the way he is kind of treating his opportunity here. And that's kind of that drive that tells me that this guy's going to have some staying power here in the league. Maybe a guy, you know, if, if he does go on the injured, if, if one of your league mates is desperate, maybe a guy you can go after and maybe maybe a push at the end of the year. The, the only thing I'm – you know, the only question mark that will remain is what the dynamic is between him and Jonathan Taylor. We probably won't see that until very late in the season. Um, and maybe that maybe that stops him from running so much that he could stay a little healthier. But but, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll have to see on that one. Uh, the, the biggest name that got injured yesterday 
Uh, Justin Jefferson with the hamstring injury. I know the Vikings could have used him at the end of the game. Uh, it, my Mark, my first question to you is not about who can replace him. Nobody can. But if you look at some of the other receivers in that Vikings offense, and I don't know how long Jefferson's going to be out. I mean, a hamstring injury is tri tricky. Uh, but you look at guys like Jordan Addison and K.J. Osborne. Are you comfortable? I think K.J. is probably available on a, on a lot of waiver uh, wires. Are you going to go after either of those guys? Jordan Addison, without a doubt. He is the, in my eyes, he was the most pro-ready wide receiver to come out of this draft class. Um, and that yes, that's above JSN. We'll reserve that discussion for another day. I'll probably catch some flack for that one as well. Um, but this guy is ready to contribute at the NFL level. His, uh, and I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about his 62-yard touchdown. Uh, I think it was after week three, maybe week two. I uh, can't remember exactly. Um, but his ability to diagnose and read NFL defenses is kind of unmatched amongst the other rookie wide receivers. So he is not just like, a go out there and run fast guy. This guy is actively finding the holes in zone coverages. He's able to beat man. And if Justin Jefferson misses any meaningful time, which could happen here, um, Jordan Addison should be the player that this offense is kind of focused on and built around now. And, and Cody, you look at the other guys, I mean, Kirk cousins, uh, TJ Hawkinson, are they going to take hits here because Jefferson might miss time? Or are you still, because of how their defense is operating this season, they're still going to have to throw, it seems, to be in these games? Yeah, I mean, we're going to see how long Jefferson's out. Um, but as far as expectation goes, like this team's going to be throwing the football. They get the Bears uh, this coming week and then the, the big Niners matchup. So that's that's kind of your next two to look at. And the Bears one and the, the Niners ones would be ones where I would expect them to want to run the football against the Bears. Now, if there's no Jefferson, I'm sure they're going to key on packing the box, not letting the Vikings run and making someone like Addison beat them. I think Addison can. I think Addison, as Mark alluded to, is the best pro, the most pro-ready wide receiver in this class. I thought that was apparent. And I think that he's the guy, if if you wanted somebody to, to step up into that Jefferson role, it's him. Right, he's got a touchdown in three out of his four games to start in the in the NFL this year. And yes, I said three out of four because I did not count the Carolina game where I don't know what happened, but there was a goose egg there. And he's averaged 60 yards per game in the four games. So I think Addison's a guy that, you know, he's already, you're seeing him just like in the games, being important in the games. And KJ Osborne's a great piece to just look at as your number two. He's a consummate pro. He's one of the better number threes in the NFL as in, in total. And he's good enough to play in the number two role in any given game. Past that, Brendan Powell, you saw him get some some work this last week. He was impressive when I watched him at training camp um, this fall, where it was like, who I couldn't really tell who the hell he was because he had this like an 85 number on it. I was like, what is that guy? And he's taking these jets motions and stuff that's quick, quick twitchy across the field. So he's an interesting guy. I think they're going to use in those roles, but not going to be a guy I'm going to play. And then Nikhil Harry was in for a, a single snap um, yeah. this last weekend. So uh, not touching that one with a 65-foot pole, nor would I ever want to. Um, but, yeah, I think Addison's a guy that you can definitely leap directly into the, the top 16 conversation next Ooh. week if Jefferson's out, maybe top 12 conversation. Yeah, I, I, I have no – I mean, I have some cousin stock. I have some Hawkinson stock. I, I'm not worried about that. Like, you know, that if anything, Hawkinson's value might go up. And, you know, Kirk is still going to have to throw and throw and throw. Uh, Nikhil Harry, the man that never was, huh? Like, I, I mean, it's a former Patriot. He's good at blocking, though. 
Hey, you need those guys. You need those guys. You need those guys. All right. I we didn't have much time to talk about Monday night last week, so I wanted to save some time to do that tonight. And it's a big matchup, at least for Mark and I. Uh we uh both uh unabashed cheesehead fans, uh, I will say. Yeah, we're we're Packer fans. Uh two of the three of us are Packer fans. So we'll start cool. here. Sit back and relax, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, Cody. Yeah, don't worry about this. Great no, show, man. I, great show. <laughs> uh, listen, Packers at the Raiders. I'm curious to see a few things. I guess we'll start here. The obvious narrative. Devontae Adams' revenge game. Uh, Mark, well, I'll go to you first. I, yeah. Are you worried about him just, like, killing his old team tonight? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh this is a very interesting spot because we have two highly concentrated and efficient off. Well, the Raiders, the, that efficiency piece can, can be massaged a little bit, but we have two highly concentrated offenses, if nothing else. Um, and we have two kind of middling defenses and both of these defenses are going to run zone coverages at a, at a high rate. So I'm looking at guys like Christian Watson. I'm looking at guys like Devontae Adams, Joe Kobe Myers, um, and I think for a from the perspective of a showdown, um, it becomes very easy to build uh, or to feel comfortable when building on a slate like this. But what that's likely going to lead to from a theoretical perspective is people are going to want to jam in the certainty and they're going to forget about the kickers. They're going to forget about the ancillary pieces. And it's likely that one of those pieces is going to be meaningful on this slate. Uh, and also defensive scoring is extremely fluky. So people are going to just kind of negate either of these defenses and it's not going to take a ton for either of one of them to be in the optimal discussion based on their pricing. So, uh, yeah, from a, from a showdown perspective, this slate is very, very interesting because it becomes so comfy and so easy to build around because you just have concentration on each side of the game. Um, and I think it's very interesting to build rosters with no quarterbacks on them. And it's very interesting to build rosters uh, utilizing some of the defenses and the kickers here. Well, sometimes you got to go contrarian. That's why we have the contrarian edge optimizer at, at sportstopia.io. Before we get, Cody, before we get to more of the Monday night matchup, I do want to answer the questions as we get them. We do have a question in the chat. Would you trade away Waddle and Pierce to acquire Judy and A-Chan? Would you trade away Jalen yeah. Waddle? And and uh, Pierce from I, I'm I'm guessing it's not Alec Pierce. I would guess it, it would be Pierce. Damien probably. Damien, yeah. Uh, to acquire Jerry Judy and Devon Etchan. Uh, Cody, your field this one. Deal. Yeah. Um, P I know it's PPR league. PPR. It's tough. League. I know it's tough to get rid of Waddle because he's a good talent and Pierce is fine. But I mean, Judy has gotten his targets. He's gotten five seven five seven in the last four games. So I'm not. It's not like. Judy's essentially zero, but he's not actually zero, so I, I'll take him. But the difference is getting A-chain. It's just – I don't know what's going to happen with this guy. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to start giving him 25 touches, but I don't think they need to. This is just it, ridiculous. Get 2,500 yards a game. It, he, it, he, <laughs> he's I mean, still running, man. He's still running. I, yeah, I don't think he slowed that, – that, that run he had, um, the other day, that 76-yard touchdown was – just the epitome of speed, being able to run straight at a guy and go, yeah, watch this. I'm just going to slowly bend and go. And like, it was, there was no angle you could have taken on that run. So this is just a different cat right now. He's looking like the next CJ 2K, the next Jamal Charles. He's looking like it. 
Um, and the, the, the opportunities they're giving him and the way they're scheming him is just ridiculous. So that's the guy you got to hit you. And that's the best player in that trade right there. And you have to go after him. I'm, I'm doing it too. Mark, you doing this trade? Oh yeah. And HN, the reason why I'm not so bummed about completely whiffing 150 rosters in the $20 single enter or the $20 MME contest this week, uh, is because I had a nice juicy HN rushing ladder. Uh, on props this week that netted me 2,500 bucks to nice. <laughs> basically give me a free roll. We love it. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, HN, go buy him. I don't care what. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say I don't care what it costs, but uh, yeah, he's gonna be a target. Borderline for sure. Yeah, it's it's close. <laughs> right? I mean, at this point, no. at this point, yeah, I know it's recency bias, but like, I I don't care. I'm I'm going after him. I do the trade. Thank you, Jackson Schofield for the for the question cody real quick we only got about a minute and a half here if you're building a dfs lineup tonight uh as mark was just saying you know it's it's interesting uh i'll pose this would you consider going jacobs as your captain just because no. we're no you would not okay no, I mean, we're I'm talking good. contrarian here yes no I don't, think, yes. I don't think there's any upside with it i don't i'm not yeah. i don't i don't think there's a lot of upside in that you know i and i i'm not a romeo dobbs fan whatsoever never have been but 25 targets the last two weeks and a guy that is not going to be in the conversation today when you're talking about the Adams matchup, you're talking about Jacoby Myers being there. Christian Watson's kind of going to be in his second full game back. I think Dobbs is going to be a guy that maybe is lower. I mean, I'm assuming that captain role, that captain share is probably going to be like literally near 50% Adams. I don't know why it wouldn't be like this is the, the fish are going to be all over Adams, I think. And I think it's going to be a fine play, but you, you're going to want to be going against the grain. And I think against the grain is, is uh, Dobbs, sadly. Well, if it's not the worst pick. Obviously, he's got some chemistry there with Jordan Love. If we're talking about ladders, uh, and if you want to gamble tonight, I'm going to go uh, Watson 100 yards and a touchdown. I, I bet that would net like you that. a pretty nice chunk of change. We'll go with the DJ Moore formula, I'll call it. You know, yeah. a little primetime game or a breakout. All right, guys, a great week five. Hopefully less injuries next week. I mean, we want everybody to stay healthy. Uh, great weekend of football. Um for some, uh, not for me, but uh, we'll see how Monday night goes. My fantasy team's got slaughtered this weekend. Uh, guys, have a great week for everyone else out there. Thanks for watching. Check out sportstopia.io for all of our takes, all of our articles, studs and duds, Cody's rankings, Mark's perspective and expertise. Guys, we'll see you after week six. For everyone else, have a great week of football. Mm -hmm.